This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At this exact point, as I'm being handed my sample pot, a large, bald man walks in. Hello, and welcome back to Test Tube Baby. We are two days post-egg retrieval. Oh my goodness. My name is Miranda Burns, and over there, moustacheless... That didn't, dun, dun, dun. that didn't last very long, did it? I will say that we're recording more than one episode a week, right, for this. Mm. And we're releasing them weekly. So for everyone listening, they'll be like, oh my goodness, he's lost the moustache after like three months. No. It's not. It's actually just, it was an overnight decision that I made and I'm not regretting it right now. Although I have twice today gone to twiddle it. <laughs> have you? It's not been there. And it's almost like, I can't really describe it as anything, to be honest. But you you know when you have a haircut and you walk outside and it's really cold, and you're like, oh, why is my head set? You don't get that. You're I a don't woman. get that. You're a woman. I know the equivalent, though. So the equivalent, if you're a woman with long hair, is you go to brush your hair and you keep pulling the brush down yeah. and then there's no hair left to brush. Muscle so, memory. Yeah. Why Crazy. Did, why did you do it? Why did you shave it off? I don't really remember. <laughs> it was an impulse decision last night and I'm going with it. Because well, you know the worst thing about it is? That you noticed it as soon as you saw me. I've seen every single member of your family today <laughs> and none of them have acknowledged it. I don't either, think they've noticed. Either they're really unobservant or it was a terrible moustache. And they're just really quietly grateful that it's gone. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe they've all internally thought, Tristan looks good today, but not worked out why. Or Tristan looks weird and not right today. So if you're new to our podcast family, in Test You Baby, we are chatting through IVF because guess what? We're doing it right now. Hopefully this podcast will go beyond as well because fingers crossed it's going to end in a baby. Now in true Tristan and Miranda style, there'll be a whole lot of tangents, more than one euphemism and inevitably we will expose and embarrass ourselves. A lot has happened. Since we last spoke to you. When you last listened to a podcast, unless you're one of those crazy people that likes to skip episodes, you will know that it was the night before egg retrieval. From 12am, I had been fasting. I had nil by mouth. Tristan fasted too, kind of accidentally, but also in solidarity. I said it was in solidarity. It was very much by accident. But who eats after midnight anyway? Yeah, I know, that's weird. What sort of mavericks are listening to this who eat after midnight? People that like midnight feasts. That's I mean, the thing. That's actually, I mean, it's a midnight feast before or after midnight. Do you bridge the gap with the feast? Maybe you eat bang on 12. Would you have been allowed to do that? No. 
I mean, I was really good. I was a goody two shoes. I didn't eat Course, past bloody 11 were. o'clock. So I went an hour early. We had to wake up super duper early. Oh my goodness. Like I got up at quarter past five. I had to shower beforehand. Really weird, but you can't have any um, perfume residue on your body. Had to use fragranceless shampoo and conditioner and soap, which is fine. Holland the back. Otherwise known as fragrance free. Faith in nature. What did I say? Fragranceless. <laughs> That, uh, that well-known adjective. So it's been a really long few days. I'm still slightly delirious. Um, but yeah, woke up, showered, got it all off, cleaned myself. And then we travelled to the hospital. Uh, this is TMI, but I want to let you know as well that in the little pamphlet pre-egg retrieval that we were given, it said that we had to empty... I say we... <laughs> I had to empty my bowels. That wasn't on me as well. Although no. I did do that yeah. in, out of nervousness. nervousness. Which again, is a recurring theme on this podcast. Isn't my it? nervous bowel movement. This should Jesus. all be about you and your gut as opposed to me and my ovaries. <laughs> Probably more exciting than what's going on in there at the moment. Possibly, possibly. Um, so yeah, I got told that I needed to empty my bowels. I think the reason for this is because it just makes it a little bit easier to get to your ovaries, especially if, like me, you have ovaries in weird places. Um, I... I'm not going to tell you whether I did or didn't empty my bowels. because She didn't. Oh, it's just, I couldn't. I, do you know what? You know how when you get a nervous tummy and then you have to go to the loo? I had the opposite. I actually felt really calm before the procedure and I couldn't go to the loo. Part of what would normally make you go to the loo is that morning coffee. Which, because of nil by mouth, I wasn't allowed to have. Exactly. Yeah, not ideal. Uh, so we checked in at the hospital. I say check in, it wasn't the hotel. We... We signed up. What do you do? What's it called when you signed in? No, registered. It's not a club. Enlisted. <laughs> it's not the army. Anyway, the word I've lost the word. I can't bring it to mind. But we checked into our hotel, lol hospital, uh, and I got into my gown. I have my sexy socks. What are they called? Uh. They're like flight compression socks. They just stop blood clots in your tootsie rolls. Compression socks. There you go. And we were visited by the sister who's looking after us, our nurse, our anaesthetist and our surgeon. You may have noticed I struggled to say the word anaesthetist. That's why I rushed over it quite quickly. But I think I did okay. Did I do okay? Five out of ten. Oh, thanks. Um, They basically just have to do check after check after check. Because you're getting sedated, they have to know everything about you when you last ate, if you have any allergies, um, if you have have any metal in your body so in case something bad happens they know they can revive you all this stuff and they ask it three or four times on separate occasions but I'm glad they do that because they're exceptionally thorough you wouldn't want them to be like oh yeah you're fine I'll just put you out for a little bit it'll be okay when I did finally go down to theatre, I walked down there myself. Uh, and it's a little bit of a surreal experience. If you've had surgery before, you'll probably know that there's a room that they put you out in. It's kind of like the, the corridor or the waiting room before you go into the theatre. Now, because I wasn't having a general anaesthetic, I was just having sedation. They invited me into theatre myself. Like, I just walked in. Why are you laughing? Invited you? Well, as in they just were like, come. Come in, make yourself at home. <laughs> well, they did. They said, bring your own pillow, which I did from my hospital room. And I got up on the bed myself and I lay down and I had everybody milling around about me. I met a lovely guy called Jonathan, I think he was. He stuck some things on my chest. I don't know what they are. I'm realising now I, I really lack medical knowledge because I don't have the word for anything today. Those little patches that measure your heart rate. Well, um, you stuck three of those onto my chest. Um, my anaesthetist, who I had spoken to earlier, then tapped on my hand and stuck a... <laughs> I know. A cannula into my hand. Oh, I almost feel sick. 
And it was really interesting. He told me that I was going to be sedated. And when you hear the word sedate, you think that, yes, you'll be kind of dizzy and knocked out, but still aware of what's going on. So that's what I was expecting. I was actually bracing for it to be a little bit painful because I thought, oh, I'm still going to be awake for most of this. But when he put my needle in and he gave me the drugs, within 25 seconds, I was conked out. and I don't remember anything, nothing at all. Don't even remember putting my legs in the stirrups. So you may not remember what happened. But we were lucky enough to have a step-by-step guide from your knee and... Ah, you can't say it either! Your sleep man, <laughs> who came into the room before we had the eggs retrieved and explained everything that would happen to you, bit by bit, in the most, like, militant detail. Oh, yeah, he was brilliant. He was so thorough. It was actually quite nice to have an explanation like it's that. Like you, will, you will lie on the bed. I will place a cannula into your vein on your hand, at which point I will inject you with a drug to make you feel sleepy. We will then move you down the bed, put your legs in the stirrups. Just before we decide to inject, uh, I will give you a deeper sedation, at which point you will drift into a sleep. We will Pe- then retrieve your eggs. He was like, he was like, people often describe it as a pleasant feeling of sleepiness. I will administer some paracetamol in case you feel any discomfort and we shall retrieve your eggs. I will keep you in a semi-conscious state as if he's (laughs) just some god who is able to just make you sleep. I mean, he is a god. I feel like out of everybody that was involved in the procedure, like he is just, well, he is, he's kind of playing god. He's he's balancing me in in a half awake, half asleep presence well lack of presence really considering i can't remember anything maybe he's not the best in these <laughs> was <laughs> i supposed to be aware of what was going on because i missed the whole thing you only just woken up two days later <laughs> yeah. i mean this is why this podcast is a shambles i don't know what i'm trying to say i'm still drugged up and uh, now while all this was going on tristan i want to take to the floor because you were having a little special moment of your own i was and it was just as awkward as I thought it would have been on last Aww. week's episode, because, oh my goodness. So Miranda's nurse, our lovely Jill, came into the room and took her down to surgery, and I was left with an embryologist uh, who said to me, right, now it's your turn. And I was <laughs> like, right, brilliant. She handed me a pot. It was a bigger pot this time. It was quite large. A rather, la- rather large one, and then told me that I would have to produce my sample in there. On top of the pot was written a phone number, which I would then have to call once I produced my sample <laughs> to alert her that I had finished, at which point she would then come and collect it from the room we were in. She then left me on my own. That's not what happened. Oh, no, what happened? Do you remember? Oh, God, this happened. So embarrassing. Oh, right. So she then... <laughs> I forgot this had happened, yeah. So she said to me, no one will come into the room. The only thing that needs to be done is Miranda's bed needs to be taken to recovery so she can be put into it after surgery. And I was like, right, cool, no worries. I'll wait for the porter to rock up. At this exact point as I'm being handed my sample pot, a large bald man walks in ready to take Miranda's bed. Okay, this man wanders into the room as I'm being given my sample pot. The embryologist then says, right, give me a call when you're done and walks out. And it's me and a random bald man left in a room. And he wasn't the quickest of bald men in that he took a, a long time. <laughs> like bald men are usually speedy. Is More the, streamlined. I was going to say, is the aerodynamics. Exactly. Well, this guy wasn't lucky enough to have that sort of a blessing oh, on no. his side. He took ages. And I mean ages. You'll see if you've been in a hospital, when they remove beds, they have to unplug the bed because yeah. it's plugged into the wall. Uh, it took him maybe 30, 40 seconds to fumble around behind the bed to find the socket. All the while I was like, I won't sit down. Otherwise I won't get up again. You know, it would be a bit weird if I just sit down with my sample pot tapping my foot. So I stayed standing wrong decision i was stood for honestly three or four minutes while this bloke was fumbling around trying to get the bed out and then 
Hospital rooms, although made for beds to turn around in, there's not a lot of wiggle room. Oh, they are small. So he was like wiggling. This. He was single-handed as well, doing it on his own. And I almost felt like, do you want me to pop the pot down and just come give you a hand? help. Because this is just awkward for both of us. And then as he's leaving, he said, see you in a bit. And then closed the door behind him. And I'm in this moment supposed to be putting myself into the zone, ready to have a wank. And he was just putting me off. And do you know what's hilarious as well? He literally works in a fertility centre. So he knows exactly what you're about to do. It's like the massive elephant in the room. Everything he was saying was with a slight hint of kind of, haha, like a bit jokingly, a bit smug on his face that, you know, you know, I know what you're going to do. Knowing. He was all knowing. He was omniscient to okay. the situation and I was left. You really don't want him to be omniscient because that genuinely means he would have shut the door and, and still have being aware of exactly I felt like what... he bloody well could. <laughs> he spent so much time in there. I was almost ready to say, do you want to do this? And, and I'll move the bloody bed because I don't think you have much of a chance. But you didn't do that, did you? You had to no, sign off that I it didn't. was 100% your sample. I had to. And I said this to the embryo just afterwards. So I did my sample. Um, she said, go into the bathroom and do it. I had the option to do it in the room, but I chose the bathroom. It was a standing situation. Um <laughs> I know, I can't go into so much detail on this. The bathroom as well is soul-destroyingly dull. What I will say, though, which is quite nice, is that I think the light in the bathroom was broken. Yeah, so it was. So it was quite dimly lit mm. and flickering at times. It was like being seduced by candles. And I was feeling very zen and I produced my sample. The worst part of all of this is if you've been in a hospital, you will know that hospital bathrooms have very little surface space. Yeah. Right? The only surface space they have on which to place a pot is the sink. I was left... Uh, doing my business, facing the sink, ergo <gasps> facing the mirror. Oh my God, really? And I was, I was just, oh. it was a very odd, because out the corner of my eye, I could see what was going on. You narcissist, you. And that's how I do it all the time. But no, it, <laughs> I felt very at home in that moment. Oh, it was just, yeah, it was horrendous. And I did the sample and I smashed it out. I have a question. Oh God, go on. Because we vlogged this whole day. Obviously, you didn't... Not that. No, you didn't vlog that intimate intimate moment. But did you vlog other things? Like, have you filmed what the little pot looked like? Oh yeah, I filmed loads. Brilliant. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, okay, yeah. if you want to go over to my YouTube channel, by the time that this podcast airs, that YouTube, that vlog should be up. So Miranda Burns. plug. <laughs> oh, I know, sorry. It's just, I think it will be interesting. People will want to see what the pot looked like. Did you film the bathroom as well? Uh, I didn't film the bathroom. Okay. That was my safe space. It was... Okay. Stop. Don't touch me there. This, <laughs> this is my nana. So post-sample, I then left the comfort of my bathroom and went to the room and picked up the phone. And now it wasn't like a number that I could call from my mobile. It was an extension number ah. to the phone in the room. So my first thought was how many men have done a sample and then picked this phone up? Do they clean the phone? I hope so. Of course they will. It's a, it's a hospital. Well, I'm also bitterly disappointed because I think in the last episode we promised that we'd give you the number so you could leave a message yourself, but clearly you have it's to an be, extension. Yeah, within yeah. the hospital. Sorry they about think that, of guys. This. They think of the yeah. twats who do a podcast who decide to give the number out the to trolls. the world. <laughs> Prank call. Prankster. What is this, 1994? <laughs> People still prank call. <laughs> Wait a second. What is this, 1994? How old were you when you were prank calling in 1994? Six months. Exactly. <laughs> no, but my question is... What is this, 1994? people still prank call? Because I don't think they do. I think that was a thing that teenagers did in movies back a day. Coming of age dramas. Something like Breakfast Club. Or Legally Blonde. Or... Give me a movie. You don't like films that much, do you? You're not very knowledgeable on this. 
What is this attack come Scream. from? Scream. I feel like the horror film series Scream, there's probably a prank call in there at some point. You remind me of the kid who's like, apparently, and apparently. And apparently that is not funny if you do not know that reference. <laughs> but just Google apparently kid on YouTube. Once you finish the podcast, obviously. We don't want to lose your listen. Yeah, please don't leave now. It's just getting good. So called and I said, hello, it's Tristan. I'm done. And she comes up to the room from her little embryologist room at the end of the corridor with a plastic Ziploc bag Mm. that she then holds open. I have to then place my sample in. So she is seeing this sample bot as I've just done it. I mean, she's going to look at it under a microscope. She is, but I know that's not in front of me. I don't follow her down the corridor and wait for the sample to turn liquid with her for half an hour. Oh, I know. That'd be weird. Biscuit, anyone? I don't know. I then had to sign that it was my sample, that I hadn't got someone else to do it, at which point I did make the joke that it was the porter, not me, <laughs> um, to try and diffuse the tension of that moment because it was a bit weird. This is, I made a similar joke when my nurse asked me, she said, so can you tell us what procedure you're having today? Because they have to check that you're aware of what you're about to experience. To which I said, yep, an appendectomy. And they both looked terrified. They both absolutely shit themselves. I was like, lol, banter, just kidding. I know what's actually happening. <laughs> You know when you're in an awkward situation, you just you just want to ease the tension. You do the wrong thing and tell yeah. them. And I think at the time they laughed, but I think it was kind of an awkward laugh because they were like, "This is quite a serious moment." Oh, the, the idiot in room ten over there. She just tries to make a trying joke to crack about. Jokes. I didn't even have an appendix anymore. <laughs> so then that was that, and Miranda was brought back round from surgery, and was in very good spirits albeit rather sleepy i don't remember it to be honest don't remember coming back around again nope not really i i I remember waking up and i vaguely remember you filming something saying we need to film for the vlog and me mumbling something to the camera and that's kind of it i remember hearing you coming down the corridor really i could tell it was you coming back because you talk was i chatting you were so i think you were wheeled past nurses and were chatting to them oh for goodness sake was it why does that not surprise me i was like here she comes can you remember what i said (laughs) i just heard the tone of your voice from down the corridor i just like making friends with people i don't remember that i don't remember that at all you came back around and obviously you'd been in recovery you have someone who sits with you the entire time in recovery to make sure you're okay yeah and your recovery man and you made such a little friendship. Like you came back round and you were chatting and he was talking to you about like just normal things. As like if you'd, what? I can't remember what it was. It was like you'd had a conversation round there and he was like, well, I'll make sure to... Mm-mm. And you were oh, like, yeah. That's left. so adorable. I just, like, I just like making friends with people. And I think that when I've had anaesthetic all my inhibitions go and so I, I really do just like to chat i never really say anything stupid it would just be really mundane matter of fact stuff but i just like to talk oh here she comes here she is <laughs> that's my miranda i can hear her i didn't open the door but i was getting ready to go and open the door because i was so confident it was you not another <laughs> random woman who'd been brought back round. so at that moment our surgeon returned in mr b mr b the legend the man the myth returned back to let us know how many eggs he had managed to retrieve. So let's remind you, we had 13 antral follicles and I was feeling quite positive about the whole experience. And I, I, I kind of thought that we were going to get maybe eight plus eggs. We learned this afterwards, but when they were looking at your antral follicles, there were eight that they were pretty confident they could get things out of. And apparently of the antral follicles, you expect to get 50% of them giving you an egg because not all of them will contain an egg or not all of them will have released the egg correctly mm. when you do your trigger shot. So we didn't know this, but we were, yeah, we were thinking kind of eight and of the eight that they thought they could have got something out of, we actually only got four. 
which we, I'm happy to admit, we were quite disappointed with. You know, I didn't understand the science of it at the time. And I genuinely believe that with 30 natural follicles, we had a, a really good chance of potentially even getting like like 10. Naive, I think, is the best word to describe how I was. It wasn't naivety. It was just not being ignorance. It was igno- yeah, it was ignorance simply. And it's no one's fault. Uh, how are you expected to know things like this? It's science. I've never learned about it before. But it meant that the blow of hearing four as the digit was extra heavy to take. And we knew that with every stage of IVF, your numbers drop. And so when your starting point, the number you begin with is that low, you don't really have too far to go until you hit zero. So we were trying to stay positive, but we didn't know if they were mature. They could have all been immature eggs. They, they could have been funny looking eggs that they just didn't think were going to take the sperm. Um, and yeah, I guess we were just feeling deflated. And I mean, to kick us whilst we were down, we then found out that Tristan's first sample was not the best. And you hear Miranda describing it as my first sample, oh. which says a lot about what came afterwards. <laughs> first sample, they analysed it. And they thought, okay, this is 50-50 between IVF and ICSI. Mm. So IVF put them in a Petri dish together with good sperm that are washed and clean and wonderful. And you mix them up and hope that they do their thing. Let them let them do their thing. ICSI, you take away the issue of a sperm travelling to an egg by injecting a sperm into an egg. Which seems like it would be the better option, but there are complications that can be associated with it just simply because it's less natural i guess exactly so i was then given the option uh, and it was actually delivered to me by your surgeon yeah Mr. who B. came round <laughs> chuckling to himself oh. as he started trying to explain to me what had gone on yeah. and said it may be that we need to do a second sample the embryologist is going to have a second opinion and then she'll come round and tell you what you need to do five minutes later she walks yeah. in with a sample pop and i was like right Let's get it over with. So I went and did my other sample, number two of the day, within mm. an hour of the first one, which I think is actually quite an impressive it feat is, in itself. It is, well done. So, thank you. This was all because they were desperately trying to offer us the option of IVF. They didn't want it to be ICSI if it didn't have to be ICSI. And unlike a female anatomy with eggs, blokes can produce more and more sperm. Like It's just bountiful. That's such a great word. My bountiful sperm. Bountiful sperm. sperm. Unfortunately, though, this second sperm sample was a very similar story to the first. So the first one, they calculated that there were 23 million sperm and 10 million of them were okay. The second one, there were 20 million, so slightly fewer, but there were 13 million that would have been viable sperm. Mm. So that then meant that we had to do ICSI. There were two issues with my sperm that worked in conjunction to cause the issue that we faced, which was the shape of them. So if you imagine a sperm as a person standing upright, okay, normal sperm can wiggle as it does normally in a straight line. My sperm, if you put your ear on your shoulder yes. and your head is tilted, that's what my sperm were like. So the, the tail wasn't attached to the head quite properly, so they weren't swimming in a straight line. No. So not only was the morphology a bit off, but the velocity and the way they swam wasn't quite right either. And there were quite a few in there that had issues with that. So... As I said, our best option was to remove the requirement of the sperm to swim and do ICSI. As said, I produced 43 million sperm. 
Turns out they only needed four, so I overdid <laughs> it there a bit. But what can you do? Just can't stop producing. I'm bountiful. Bountiful. In the there it goes again. Of the four they picked, they said that they had to choose the best that they could see. Now, because it's ICSI and there's no requirement to swim, tail issues aren't a massive problem. No, they just relevant. need to look and find the best looking heads they can because the head is the bit that contains all of the genetic material. And if you've got a good head, chances are fertilization will be successful. Think of it as like your brain. It really is a very yeah, important part of your body. It's the brain of the cell. Yeah. It's where the nucleus is. There you go. See, science with Tristan and Miranda. After all of that, we then simply were discharged and sent home. And that's quite stressful because you kind of want to stay in the hospital. You want to be near to your consultant. You want to be near to the scientists, the embryologists, because you just have so many questions. We still didn't entirely understand, and we don't to this day understand, why we only managed to get four eggs when there are 13 antral follicles. Our consultant is brilliant, and I know that he will have tried his very hardest, so it wasn't an issue on his side. He wasn't being lazy. Um, but we just the idea of going home and saying goodbye to these eggs and sperm and leaving it in the hands of somebody else is a little bit terrifying. You, know, you want to have control over the situation and you absolutely can't. And you drive 20 minutes away and then you sat at home feeling a little bit groggy and worse for wear and you just have to wait. Also a point to add on to the whole our surgeon not trying its hardest or whatever people would, would maybe think in this situation if they were faced with it. He said to us he pierced all 13 antral follicles and drained them completely of everything in there. Pre-COVID, and in, not in a COVID world, they had a lot more theatre time. So you'd be in there for half an hour or so, and what they would do is they would extract your eggs into these tube things, and whilst they're in theatre, look through the fluid and see how many mm. eggs they've got. So they could say, right, oh, that one came from the left ovary, that one came from the right ovary. Yeah. Because of COVID, they were literally taken out of you, and you were under for all of 10 minutes. Yeah, they didn't have the luxury of time. No, and they'd just whisk you straight out again, and the eggs went down to the lab. So we didn't actually know where they'd come from. And we also didn't know what sort of quality they were. We didn't know if they were mature or not. Now, mature is a very interesting word when it comes to all of this, because mature eggs are the eggs that they are willing to attempt to fertilize. Uh, if you don't have a mature egg or your egg looks damaged in some way, then often it's just not worth trying with. So we literally went home knowing they'd retrieved four and having absolutely no idea of the quality of them. And also knowing that Tristan's sperm was not ideal either. We arrived home pretty downbeat, didn't we? I think I was a little bit more positive than you. And I don't necessarily know why. It might have been all the drugs. But I didn't feel as downcast. But it wasn't the most positive of situations. Now, a special little shout out to Jane, our embryologist, because bless her cottons, she went above and beyond. She actually chose to call us on the day of egg retrieval. Now, with our clinic, usually they call you the next day in the morning. I've also since learned that some clinics don't call you at all. They send you an email six days later. Can you imagine that just That's, for a That must be horrible. How cruel is that? These are your potential future children and you have no idea on their status for nearly a week afterwards. So basically, they would just email you at the point at which they would reimplant if there's any left. Imagine the stress of not knowing. That would be horrible. Oh, it would be so horrible. Jane went above and beyond. Jane called us on that same Wednesday and said, by the way, guys, we have managed to inject all four of the eggs with sperm. They were all of a good enough quality that we could try and make them into embryos. How wonderful is that? So it meant that we got to go to sleep on the day of egg retrieval feeling a little bit more positive. That was a massive relief. 
it was huge because this this whole process is already filled with lots of anxiety mm. and worry. The added anxiety of being told that in the morning you'll get a call. So how are you meant to sleep that night? Yeah. When you have four eggs that come out and you know the, the percentages, everyone, you're not told it necessarily, but you Google it, you know the percentages of what you'd expect to be mature and what wouldn't be mature. You would have to go to sleep without knowing that news. And I say go to sleep, probably wouldn't sleep because be of the nerves. Expecting the worst, basically. But Jane, bless her, called us on a little unknown number, which popped up on my phone. Again, that's Again. the worry, isn't it? Oh, it's so ominous when this unknown number, you see it, you're like, oh my gosh, it's fertility. It's fertility. I know they're contacting us. And once she'd said that all four were injectable, we just felt a hell of a lot better and were able to sleep. Still with our phones on, waiting for the inevitable call, which was still due to come as a little update. But just knowing that we we're in a better position than we thought we were. On Thursday morning, she called us with a further update saying that all four had fertilised. So she'd managed to inject them and they were now in a stable state of fertilisation. And she actually described three of them as top quality embryos, looking really good. Uh, The fourth one I'm describing as a little bit wonky. She said it was slightly misshapen, but still fine. You know, it's still promising. And all four were fertilised and were embryos. And it was just a waiting game now to see if they were going to divide. Because if you're not familiar with how this works, um, once you've injected, the egg with the sperm you then just have to leave them to do their thing and monitor them there's nothing more really that you can do and if they decide to keep you know dividing and sort of the cells keep multiplying and growing more and more and more then that's a great thing and every single day that they choose to do that is a scientific miracle and something to be exceptionally grateful for but there there are times when they just don't they just don't work they decide to stop dividing and that's when they become less viable you want to aim for day five if you think about it day zero is fertilization By day one, you want to look to have two things. So you have the two cells in there that have now split. Yeah. Okay. That's what you have. After that, those two both divide themselves. Into four. Into four. Four into eight. Eight eight into 16 and so on and so on and so on. Up until either day three where you have eight, which you would then implant, or six if they're thinking it's stopping growing and you Mm -hmm. think we need to re-implant now because the best place for these embryos to be is inside you. Oh, yeah, in their natural environment. Exactly. They're currently (laughs) sat in an incubator, which is the exact same temperature as it would be inside you, and it's all the the perfect conditions, Mm. but nothing is quite good enough at replicating a human body than a human body. Yeah, Yeah, of course. At day five, they reach a stage called the blastocyst stage, or the blastocyst stage, depending on what region of the UK you're from. (laughs) I now say blastocyst because I live with a Brummie. Sorry. And that's just what happens to you. But at that point, it's completely divided up into what it will look like, and you have this beautiful kind of bumpy looking circle Mm. that is then your embryo and at that stage if you freeze them they then stand the best chance of working if you thaw them out if you freeze on day three they have to do some developing before they reach that stage if you freeze on day five the drop-off rate from frozen to not frozen is in the in the single digits of percentage yeah it's It's really small so you really want to get to day five if you are planning on freezing some of the embryos Day three implantations are also slightly less successful than day fives. Now, it gives them a better chance if you put them back in. But naturally, if you're putting them in on day three, it's likely that you're starting to see a slight decline in division and the rate at which they're dividing, which even your body might not be able to help. So the difference between day three and day five, I have a feeling that day three is 20% success rates. Mm. Day five 
brings that to 50%. Don't quote us on those stats, but it's a it's a good indicator, a, a rough figure for you to help understand. I'm pretty sure there's a right because I've read a lot of those recently. Oh, bless you. He has. You've been obsessed with like, what is it? WebM- What's it called? WebMD? No, it was oh, what have you Cambridge, Cambridge IVF. Oh! Which has a day-by-day breakdown of what's happening with your embryos at different points. Very nice. See, he's so good. He does his research, does our Tristan. A good analogy to use to determine the success rate on different days is rolling a dice. So if I handed you a dice on day three and said, roll me a one, roll me a whatever it is, an individual number, you know it's one in six pretty much. And that is the likelihood of it working on that day. By day five, it's like me giving you a coin Mm. and saying heads tails whatever yeah and you know that that is 50 50 so if i said to you roll a six you still roll it and you could you could you had a chance to do it but you're much more likely to be right on the coin one than you are on the dice one and that and that is why we are aiming for day five because we really 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 want this little embryo to turn into an actual real life baby in a successful pregnancy so we're recording this on day two egg retrieval was wednesday we had the phone call wednesday evening the follow-up phone call thursday morning and we had a phone call today friday morning as well and again it was really good news so the embryos have divided once more they're currently three fours and a five. So imagine that you have drawn a collection of four circles that are kind of interlocking. That's what three of the embryos look like. Add an extra circle onto it for the fourth one. Our little wonky, funny looking embryo who actually has a very special place in my heart. It's actually divided quicker. Yeah, it has. It's Be- been speedy. Because each of those four will then divide themselves. Not necessarily at the same time. So when you're watching a time lapse, you often see one that comes first and the next one and the next one and the next one as you go to the next stage. Yeah. So it could be that one's just slightly ahead of time maybe it's compensating for the fact that it's a bit wonky oh bless it but it's wonky but it's really good at sports it's athletically gifted because it's quick oh I thought you about to say because it's got my genes <clears throat> <laughs> we all know that your genes are a little bit problematic trouble with your wonky sperm oh is that why it looks wonky I know it's I my egg so. it's it was, egg it was, was my egg that was wonky can you take back what you just said about my wonky sperm because you just called out my wonky sperm I'm on the podcast sorry no it was, it was my egg that's caused the problem with Thank this you. this fourth embryo who I still maintain has a special place in my heart I will say that your percentage is 25% of your eggs from this retrieval were wonky compared to my 90 something percent of my sperm that were wonky <laughs> so actually I am maybe I am more of a problem overall is it actually 90 percent? i thought you said it was like it was like 50 percent or whatever you remember it was like... <laughs> he's just throwing numbers out just there. throwing digits out i just everything blurs into one i don't blame you it's been a, it's been a long two days so we're going to continue on in this vein having phone calls in the morning tomorrow's phone call is very important because we are going to decide tomorrow whether we do reimplant on day three or day five, because, well, tomorrow is day three. If we're currently on day two, you can do that maths. Um, and like we said, we're rooting for day five. We're hoping that they'll call and they will tell us that the embryos have developed even more. They're still dividing and they look super strong and they're 100% going to make it to day five. And therefore, we don't need to rush the process and put them back in meat a, a little bit prematurely. If we do have to put them back in, though, we'll accept that and we will follow what the experts say because we're not scientists and we trust their judgment and we will do whatever they think is best. 
I'm just quickly going to rattle through some of the side effects of egg retrieval in case you're going through it or about to go through it and you're just a bit intrigued. Um, generally, it wasn't too painful. I managed it with one codeine tablet, just a little one, and paracetamol. And that was it. And I haven't had any more codeine since the very first day. And I took the codeine about two hours after coming around from theatre. Uh, I have had, though, a lot of bloating. Like, my tummy is the size of a basketball. It's, it's like it's like I'm a snake that swallowed an egg I feel incredibly swollen and it's just a bit hard um I don't feel nauseous particularly I'm not struggling with flatulence if anything the opposite is true so that has not been entirely ideal but I guess it's worth it if we get a healthy baby at the end of it I'm not entirely sure why it's been so bad but I've been chatting to some other girls who have done egg retrieval and they've had the exact same experience that afterwards they just become so bloated and swollen and sore. So not the best, but I mean, I've still been working. I've been doing my radio show in the evening and I've been pottering about the house. So I don't feel terrible. I just feel, yeah, a little bit uncomfortable. And I did feel quite tired. The day of egg retrieval and the day afterwards, I slept throughout the day quite a lot. So I would expect to feel groggy. I anticipated that I just get back to normal life 100% within 24 hours afterwards. That is way too ambitious. Give your body time to rest, especially when you consider that if you are reimplanting, you want to be in tip top condition and looking after yourself so your body's in the best possible position for putting your embryo back inside. You can also expect a little bit of bleeding afterwards because they've punctured through your vaginal wall to get to your ovaries. I actually was quite blessed, didn't have much bleeding whatsoever. They said if you've got heavy bleeding or blood clots, then that's something to be a bit more concerned about and to raise it with them. I didn't even have what I would describe as spotting. It, it was almost non-existent and it dried up within like two hours maximum. So that was great. Uh, my number one tip would be stay hydrated. Once you're back around from theatre and you feel ready to do so, drink lots of water because your ovaries when you've been stimulating them are sucking all that liquid out of your body to keep themselves I was gonna say buoyant but they're not at sea but you you understand what I mean um so it means the rest of your body struggles a little bit and you can become really really dehydrated and that is not good so keep on top of drinking loads and loads of water and for the bloating I found that peppermint tea helped me a little bit you know it's just just something a herbal remedy which is worth a try if you're feeling uncomfortable now, injections-wise, we obviously have completely stopped. They are done with. What we are doing instead now is progesterone pessaries. So a lovely little pessary that goes up your vagina and kind of gets your body ready for putting the embryo back in. I do three a day, one in the morning around about nine o'clock, one around lunchtime, maybe one or two, and one in the evening before I go to bed. And I keep those pretty regular, kind of within an hour window each day. Uh, and yeah, it's just prepping my body so it's in the best possible way to receive the embryos. I guess if you got pregnant naturally that your body would like naturally produce that. Is that why? Are we, are we mimicking natural fertilization? I know that progesterone is a really good, it's just good for, for pregnancy. Yeah. So I remember with our pregnancy last year, we were given these progesterone pessaries yes. by your consultant who said this is the best thing to do if you are concerned about not pregnancy not sticking. Yeah. So I think the purpose of the progesterone is to increase the likelihood of the pregnancy sticking yeah, long yeah, term. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I am not entirely sure whether you can get them on the NHS for a normal pregnancy. I don't know how NHS IVF works in the UK. Obviously, we've gone private and we'll talk about costing in a, in a different episode. Um, but I've heard from other women uh, when they've been pregnant, just naturally, but it's been a high risk pregnancy, that they've struggled to get progesterone pessaries from like GPs and NHS doctors. I don't know whether it's prescribed. 
Um, so I'm afraid I don't have an answer on that. But we're just really fortunate that our private consultant thought to give us pessaries that first time round and obviously is giving them to us right now as well. So that is it for today. If you like what you heard, the best way to support us is to leave a review, share with your friends, family, parents, guardians, bald porters, whoever it may be, (laughs) and make sure to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Bald porters that aren't particularly speedy. Slow bald porters. (laughs) I love that. Um, Yeah, please get involved. And if you haven't yet subscribed, please do that too. It makes our day. Now, next episode, fingers crossed, touch so much wood. Cross everything for us. Will be a either just before or just post re-implantation podcast. So hopefully we will have an embryo, a viable embryo that our embryologist has said we can put back inside me. So it will be a really important episode and fingers crossed we will be coming to you with good news. And don't forget, you can see our faces over on Instagram, Miranda.Burns, Tristan.Hall and TestTubeBabyPod. Pod Pod for for podcast. Love you. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.